What's up, guys? This is Micah and Jordan, and this is the last episode of In With A New and XFL Podcast. We've been coming at you guys this season, and it's been a fun time, but today is official with the league announcing its bankruptcy and closing. We will also be announcing our bankruptcy and closing. We do not have the financial assets that the XFL has in the millions of dollar range, but you know we're right behind them in that. But <laughs> we're getting that, close. We're, we're catching close. up. We're catching up in the financial world, but <laughs> we got a little bit to go. But um, we're just gonna come at you guys today with a final episode, and I think you guys will enjoy it. Jordan, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so I mean, really, we're going to start off with something we kind of focused on at the beginning. We tried to highlight a safety um, who had a pretty interesting story, and I know Micah did some research on that player, so we're going to go ahead and give possibly some sort of profile on him, maybe focus on maybe the most inspiring story we witnessed in the XFL uh, this season, and then also kind of just top it off. We kind of talked about it the last few weeks, how we're going to end it on on a happy note after the three weeks of just kind of depressing news. Um, kind of like just go back and forth on some plays that we noticed um, that kind of caught our eye throughout this five weeks of XFL football. And then maybe some closing statements on our experience of the podcast. And I think we'll wrap it up there. So I think that's the outline of the episode today. Yeah. All right. So you hit it right there. First, we're going to talk about our guy, Kenny Robbins. Now he was a safety for the St. Louis Battlehawks and he just got big news. The Carolina Panthers who also um, just signed our guy PJ Walker. They also decided to draft um, which is the first I believe XFL player to be drafted uh, Kenny Robbins in the fifth round. So um, Robbins has an interesting story because he earned all Big 12 honors uh, in West Virginia in 2018. But due to his um, schooling and his academic ineligibility, uh, he didn't do so well that he ended up getting dismissed from the team. So he's an amazing player. You know, he gets all honors Big 12, but then is asked to leave because of um, poor academics. So most like most players or kids at this point, they go, okay, I got, I'll move schools. I'll, I'll get out of here and I'll, I'll find, you know, I'll be eligible somewhere else. I'll go transfer. But due to the XFL and the new operations and everything like that, he was like, why not, you know, screw school. I'm just going to go play ball and, you know, make some money while doing it and then also show my stock and show that I can be an NFL player. And it's kind of an interesting story because I think a lot of us were like, well, maybe some college players will start to do this in the XFL for years and years to come, but obviously we won't be able to see that. But I think it was an interesting story from um, the – perspective of maybe you're struggling with school or, or a kid who struggles with school is able to still play football without you know without being like tied to those NCAA requirements being in the XFL and be able to actually make money and play football and show your uh, uh, caliber of player he is to the NFL and obviously he gets drafted in the fifth round that's a big deal so that, that's just kind of an interesting story I wanted to talk about um, with the draft just happening yeah, and it um, in a lot of ways showcases uh, just what the XFL was all about. Yeah, um, we always we kind of got distracted in a lot of the ways of, um, you know, this is a league for entertainment. This is a league for trying to bring football back in a time when football was normally played. But it was also meant to give players a platform that one couldn't get that chance to immediately make an impact in the NFL, and two 
might have to struggle with the consistencies in terms of pressure towards athletics with academics. So college, exactly. I mean, this is this is a common story of how the XFL can help players who really never were, was able to get that chance in the NFL or the NCAA because of their academics. Um, so, it, yeah, in a lot of ways it kind of embodies or encompasses um, the purpose of the XFL just besides the entertainment value, kind of diving deeper into the heart of the, what the league was. And um, congratulations to him. It's really um, it's a great story to know that he, he was able to make it through some trials and tribulations and kind of find his way to doing what he loved at the highest professional level. It's really a, a special story for sure. Yeah, and I talk about talk about the stars aligning for him. I mean, imagine if he was one year younger or one year older, this really wouldn't have been able to happen for him. He would have had to go, you know, okay, maybe I'll transfer to a different school. We'll figure it out this way. But with the XFL happening right now during this season, 2020, it has worked out perfectly for him as just a little leapfrog, stepping stone to hit, get him to the NFL. And, you know, no other class or player gets to be able to do this because it's no longer available. So it's kind of crazy that the stars really aligned for uh, Kenny Robinson to be able to pull this off. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. No, no question about it. Yeah. So congratulations to him. Um, he was a player that we wanted to talk about. I'm pretty sure it was maybe the first or second episode. Yeah. Um, because yeah, he did have a pretty interesting story, something that, you know, could, we could definitely dive into deeper. So I'm glad we got to in the last episode, kind of full circle it. Um, and then give, you know, a final player profile um, to kind of finish off the podcast is definitely something that was a good call yeah, by cool. Micah. So. Cool, cool story coming out of there. But I'm glad we yeah. finally really could talk to him. But Jordan, take us away with your pl- best plays yeah. of the XFL season. Yeah, so let's season. pull them up. I, um, I picked five plays in particular, and I kind of right. run them down in terms of five to one. Um, I'm assuming um, since you were given the same assignment – and you pick three, we're going to have some consistencies in terms of the way we picked. Um, So we'll see what happens. But I have my top five right here. Number five for me, and we kind of talked about them because I believe this happened in week five. So it was the last episode before kind of all this craziness happened in terms of the quarantine. We were talking about uh, the defenders because they got a big win against the Battlehawks. Um, and it was a lot because of the running game, which they previously had no running game at all in their previous four games at all. Um, but in this game, it was Jarrell Presley who kind of stepped up and it was, you know, he had only a few carries in his previous games, but in this game, he had a career game with 107 yards against the Battlehawks and his best run came in the third quarter. Now, the way I found a lot of these plays, because obviously I can't remember, you know, at the top of my head consistently, but the way I went to a YouTube channel, Highlight Heaven, they posted pretty consistently in terms of XFL content, and they provided some sort of compilation of best XFL plays. And this one kind of completely um, went over my head when I was just immediately thinking of some plays. But really what happened was it was kind of a simple run down the middle, um, and he ran to the right side. Um, it should have been possibly maybe a four- or five-yard gain, but instead what happened, he met not one defender, not two defenders, not three defenders, not even four defenders. He ran into five defenders. And all five defenders, realistically, they didn't do a good job. They just kind of dove and was hoping that maybe if they wrapped their arms around him, he would fall. And what happened was is all five defenders kind of like just got into a pile on the ground, almost like they were trying to recover a fumble. And Presley just jumped over all five defenders. But it made it look like he just broke a tackle by five defenders at the same time. He ended up getting like a 25, 30-yard gain off the play. And 
it was a play for me when I look back. I completely forgot that that play happened, and I was like, dang. I mean, that's a that's a career play for a career game for Jarrell Presley. So that that's was something that definitely stuck out to me right away. That's that. That's a good play. I, I didn't. I wouldn't have even thought about that one either. That, that yeah. one kind of get a pull out of the archives there. But yeah, for yeah. me, my play that I'm going to go with in this slot is the official first kickoff return of the XFL. We're down there in St. Louis. It's the new football mecca, the capital of the football world in the XFL. The fans are going crazy. It's St. Louis. They're in the dome. It's even louder. And you know what? We've got the kickoff reverse. And now I was saying it, you know, we were talking about we got to see some type of ingenuity, some some creativity coming from these kickoff plays because um, with the new rules, it just seemed like, you know, there was so much room for creativity and stuff like that. But the kickoff reverse, we got the Battlehawks. They're going left. They're going hard left. And then all of a sudden, boom, kickoff reverse. Then all of a sudden you got Joey Powell coming coming around the end down the right side of the field. And uh, him being able to just take it to the house was definitely a career play for the XFL and just for uh, the Battlehawks in general. Yeah, it was it was almost like a pitch and go really. It was yeah. pretty. Uh, it was yeah, it was a great play. That was actually number three on my list, so it actually matched perfectly with yours. So nice. yeah, number three on my list there. You know, yeah, I, I think why it was really so big is uh, is because the kickoff rules were meant to make kickoffs more exciting um, and to make them obviously more safe as well but it was the first time we were able to see that kickoff big return it was a big one and it kind of fell with the stereotype of the xfl is a league that has potential to create a lot of you know um, trick plays and we saw it in a kickoff return something that in the nfl might be considered too risky because if it goes south they can go south really bad um but we were able to see it get pulled off and yeah i think you mentioned it in terms of the dome they were playing in st louis they were a phenomenal crowd and to see them do it in front of their crowd made it the moment 10 times better so yes that was number three on my list do you want me to go to number four go i mean whatever you throw that out there go for it yeah so number four was i mean obviously you got to have this man on at least one of your plays it was a pj walker now his favorite target throughout the entire season was cam phillips uh he was just kind of like he played wide out, but he has more of the build of a slot receiver, just a really speedy, um, pretty good hands. So I don't know if he ever if he got a chance in the NFL. I don't think he got uh, picked up by any teams, which was pretty sad to see. But um, the play that I'm talking about with Cam Phillips and P.J. Walker was um, in a game against Tampa. It was just a play where Walker was scrambling around the pocket like he always tended to do. And what happened was is um, the Vipers defense was running a blitz. Two linebackers were actually in the vicinity of P.J. Walker. They made contact with P.J. Um, when he was still in the pocket. He was almost past the line of scrimmage, but the ball stayed behind. Um, and he was able to just find a wide-open Cam Phillips to kind of open the scoring for Houston in that game. So it was, it was more just the fact that Walker was able to make the throw and complete the throw despite being hit by two pretty solid defensive players. Um, so that play kind of just sticks out as well. Um, yeah, and one then of those Cam th- Phillips took it for 84 yards, touchdown, open the scoring for Houston. It seemed like every highlight you watch of P.J. Walker, he's throwing to Cam Phillips there now yes. this season, and it just that connection right there. I'm surprised. We should look that. I should look that up. Um, but Cam Cam Phillips, man, I think he really deserves a spot if he hasn't been given one already, and we missed that. But he is definitely one of the more dynamic receivers, and he was leading in the receiving category in pretty much every category for the receivers in the XFL. So he's definitely the main man when it comes Set, to receiving. Seven. 
Send him to Green Bay, please. We'll take any wide <laughs> receiver at this point. Please. I gotta get your. I gotta talk to you about that. The the whole we'll t- we'll, we'll uh, Jordan Love. We'll talk. We'll talk about it off air. <laughs> <laughs> you think it, was it? Was it? Like, let me get a quick quote. Yeah. Do you, do you think it was a power move by Matt Lafour to you know hang some leverage over Aaron Rodgers? Over Rodgers. Was it a you power know, move? I wouldn't. I feel like that's all speculation. I wouldn't say that it was that particular. I think really what they tried to do was they tried to mimic what happened with Favre and Rodgers, and they're just yeah. hoping that you know, you know, that it will be able to turn the page once Rodgers is away, whether that be retirement through trade, through release, whatever it may be. Um, I think they're just hoping that they have some sort of formula to you know, kind of maybe ease the pain of Rodgers inevitability towards leaving green bay dude because um, when i was watching it i was like what why did they go with love like the, the, you know i saw the stat where it's like he's the only rogers is the only um quarterback in like well, no it was it was, was skill position it was we're talking tight ends receivers yeah. uh running backs the first time we picked or the last time we picked a skill position player in the first round was aaron Rodgers in 05 we've been consistent <laughs> With defensive linemen, and they never pan out really. <laughs> and uh, we've been consistent with secondary players and a lot of O linemen. That's like our. No, I saw I saw another one though where it was like how many like Tom Brady. It was a list of like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and uh, a couple other guys. Uh, Peyton Manning was in there. It was like number of touchdowns thrown to first round receiver or first round uh, offensive skill players. And Aaron Rodgers had thrown one touchdown to one yep. first rounder, and everybody else and was like in the hundreds. I know exactly who it is. It was Mercedes Lewis, tight end. He used to be in Jacksonville. He threw a touchdown throw to him in 2019. But I don't. I find that this we're getting off topic. But yeah, we are. Let but. me just say this: we're. I feel like that stat is kind of a little overrated because I mean Rodgers has had weapons in his career throughout yeah. his career. Honestly, I mean talk about Devontae he's one of the top receivers in the NFL. Uh, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb when they had their combination. Greg Jennings, Jermichael Finley was a solid tight end before he got hurt. So I feel like. He's had weapons. It's just kind of recently they yeah. haven't really helped him, and they they haven't helped him on defense literally his whole career. But all right, had to get the, had to get the take from the from the Packers man himself, Jordan. So yeah, we got to yeah, hear yeah. that. But back yeah. to the XFL. <laughs> uh, where were we? Your top play? Yeah, it was uh, PJ Walker. Just uh, solid throw. Yeah, we need. Oh yeah, they need Cancel Ups. That's where we're yeah. at. Yeah. So, anyways, that's that's my number four. Do you want oh, to give yeah. your number two, or should I give my number two? Or yeah, you go ahead, and give your number two, and then I'll go in okay. with mine. I'll give my number two. I'm I'm sure you have this on here too. Maybe you don't. Who knows? But it was the Marquette King punt. Oh, I didn't put which, that one on there. That's a good one. Okay, it's it's it is a good one because I, I am convinced that it's probably the best punt i've ever seen in my life uh, i'm convinced i don't think i've seen a better punt because he started at 31 and he found a way to literally perfectly set at the one yard line it was less than the one yard line it yeah was like inches away one millimeter line yeah and it was against dallas it was um yeah the 30, the 30 yard line a 31 yard line so it was just a perfect punt of course that was eventually met with the horrific decision for the st louis player to just dive on the football for no apparent reason which made it a touchback and that kind of ruins the play. So the play itself is absolutely not on. It should not be on the list because, if anything, it was the biggest fail of the entire XFL yeah. ever. Um, <laughs> that will go down as history, I think. But um, the punt itself is what goes on the list for me because I'm convinced yeah. it was probably the best punt I've ever seen. No, I agree with you. He's thinking – because the XFL ball, you don't realize it. It's, it's kind of – I held it uh, when I went to the Wildcats facility and they – 
it's like not what you'd think of like a regular leather football. It was like almost like a street ball. Like you'd play within the yeah. street as a kid, like an all weather ball. And it just didn't seem like that would be a very easy ball to punt because it's very hard and not a lot of give. And I don't, I don't know exactly what punters like to kick, but it just didn't seem to me like you would be able to kick it as far or as pretty. And man, he definitely got a hold of that one and it just he dropped did. on a dime right there. It was perfect. So, yeah, it was perfect punt. So that was my number two. All right, I'll go with my number two. It was um, the Cardell Jones double reverse uh, throwback pass, or however yeah. you want to describe that, where Cardell Jones, you know, hands the ball off left, boom, it's a it's a pitch back to him, a little flu flicker action, and then he goes back down the field to his guy, um, what's his name, Curry Lee, the uh, tight end for them, and he, he was just right down the seam being able to catch that ball and take it. And that was kind of when we were talking about the Pep Hamilton, the Cardell Jones swagger the first couple of weeks, and it just seemed like they were having so much fun. They had the entire playbook at their disposal and just seemed like nothing could stop them until the last couple of weeks where we saw the demise of Cardell Jones. But we'll see what we'll see where his football feature heads. But it didn't. It's kind of a tough spot to struggle in because as soon as he started struggling, then all of a sudden the league ended, and it's like, you know, that that, that doesn't help him out like it did well, PJ Walker. I mean, it's not that he declined; it's that he just complete. It's like he fell off the Grand Canyon. I mean, it was that bad. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think that really is just. It's sad to say, but I just don't see him ever being able to make yeah. it into professional football just because of how bad he struggled yeah. at the end, even though obviously players struggle. But if you're struggling that much in the XFL, I don't think a lot of executives in the NFL would have a lot of faith in Cardell Jones succeeting in the NFL. Yeah. Um, you just talk about but, t- timing. And, you know, you, you say the league closes three weeks earlier. We're saying Cardell Jones. Why? Why hasn't a team picked him up yet? He's exactly. looking, you know. And we're thinking the same thing with PJ Walker. Like that's a career backup. That's a guy you can count on if your QB one goes down to step in and you know take the team to the promised land. Still, like a Nick Foles idea. Yeah, exactly. But that back to the play. Um, yeah, it, it embodied the three week um, dominance of the defenders. Yeah, and it was. It, yeah, it was. Their first game against Seattle, which made the moment ten times greater because yeah, it's they they immediately made an impact as the top team in the XFL and it, yeah, it was it was ran to perfection. Um, that's why to me that's why it deserves to be on the list. It wasn't on my personal list. Yeah, I struggled to not put it on, but I was it's just it was just ran so perfectly that it it looked almost too easy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I put it on the list because they scored pretty easily on the play. Yeah, but... I just went back to the whole idea of, like, that was kind of the, the original um, bit of fun stuff to watch in the XFL. Yeah. It was kind of like the team, like, oh, the, the Washington, you know, the fans are packed out. It's It's got the whole offense is running for Cardell Jones, and it just seemed yeah. like that was kind of like a good highlight I wanted to remember in this list. Yeah, it deserves to be on there, and I, I it, yeah, I'd put it, it redoing my list. I'd probably put it somewhere in the top three because it was just random perfection. Um, I think I, it sounds like we might agree on number one. Maybe we don't. Maybe maybe there's a play that you have okay. in mind that I don't. What my number you? one is the PJ. We're going back to PJ. His sidearm. The throw. sidearm throw. Yeah, that's my his number one too. Yeah, and I think why it makes my number one is because it was kind of the moment that really put the XFL. 
I mean, besides like the initial kickoff that that kind of exploded on Twitter and mm-hmm. it kind of made headlines. But in terms of a play in the XFL that yeah. made the biggest splash, it was this one. I think any football fan that follows any sort of football platform on any social media account saw the sidearm throw from PJ Walker. So it kind of embodied the league in many ways and it embodied the superstar potential of a guy like PJ Walker, who thankfully was sent to the NFL pretty quickly. So excited to see what he does in Carolina. Um, It seemed like that play was his Heisman moment. You know, like you talk about when you're, when you're evaluating Heisman candidates, it's like, has that Heisman candidate had a Heisman moment? And those moments you can think back of like Lamar Jackson hurdling that guy with the Heisman pose or Joe Burrow going deep to Jefferson or, or just some of those plays with that kind of burn in your, in your mind. Um, or like the Tim Tebow jump pass or just like those, those random plays that you can think back to. Like that was the moment we realized that this was the best guy on the field in the game during the season. Right. And yeah. so I think that's that for me, that moment was like, this guy's unbelievable. He is our MVP. He is our top tier player. No more Cardell. Cause it was kind of the back and forth between him and Cardell Jones in the beginning of the season. Like, Oh, who's the better QB? Like who's the MVP in the end? But then, you know, he really solidified in that moment that he was the best player. And he just looked like he was having a ball out there. And again, he threw to, I think he was through that to Cam Phillips again. He did. He did. To Cam and Phillips. so it, just the the connection that they had all season was just again so fun to watch and and the amount of chemistry yeah no i totally agree and it it does it deserves to be number one it was yeah it was it was the play that made pj walker um really a a star Mm -hmm. and not only the league but in the football community it was the play that really made him without the play I mean, I'm sure he still would have gotten a lot of looks, but th- I think that's what really made that transition from the XFL to the NFL so quick and sudden for him is because of how impressive, you know, those type of throws were for him. Yeah. So definitely, I think, if, if there's, it's an undeniable fact that if the league finished, he would have been the MVP of the league, yeah. I, I, no matter what happened in the last five weeks. Yeah, for sure. And you think back to timing again, we've been saying it all episode of, of when, he's in the XFL PJ Walker it's coming off of a season where maybe four years ago three years ago that he doesn't get the same looks like oh this is another college gimmicky quarterback the dual threat whatever but then you you go you go back to the season that Lamar Jackson had and the season that Patrick Mahomes had and two incredible seasons from two dual threat type quarterbacks kind of and Patrick Mahomes more so the backyard football type player that P.J. Walker is, and Lamar Jackson with the shiftiness and the ability to elude players with his feet and and still have the accuracy with the arm. And I think like you look at P.J. Walker and you're like, the timing was it was a perfect storm for him because he had those intangibles, but then also um, with kind of like those two guys leading the way for him is like giving him a foot in the door to be able to be like oh we need this guy in the nfl like a coach really keeping his eye on him so and i think that like two three years ago he really wouldn't have gotten a look because you're like oh she's another dual threat quarterback that won't be able to translate to the nfl yeah for sure so there's there's not much more else to say about him i mean he's he has star quality hopefully he can get a shot with carolina I, i think Right now, probably Bridgewater is set with that starting position at the moment. Maybe he can find a way to sneak into that you know, position, see yeah. what he does during the preseason. I think it'll be exciting to see what he can do. Um, but I think that's it. I'll give my closing statements for the whole show. Let's hear it. And then you can close it out, the whole thing. Um, it will, it's been a blast. I've had you know a lot of um, good memories on the show. And I think, you know, as a, 
partnership, we've grown a lot, but also in terms of, you know, ability to prepare and ability to um, feel comfortable behind a mic has definitely uh, improved on my behalf. And I'm sure you can probably attest to the same thing. Um, It's sad to know that, you know, we put in this many episodes and the XFL is no longer going to be. We had more episodes than the XFL had uh, seasons by double. So, or by, <laughs> sorry, by um, week. I meant not seasons, weeks. We had double the amount of episodes that the XFL had in terms of consistent play throughout the week. So, yeah. um, that is a bummer. That's the sad part about it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, as we saw by some of these stories and some of these players who have already been sent to the NFL or drafted, um, the XFL did its purpose in terms of opening you know, eyes, a lot of football fans' eyes towards um, what a professional caliber player can look like. Um, You don't have to have incredible athleticism, nor do you have to have, you know, the most impressive hands or the most accurate arm. It's really a lot of heart, and I think the XFL was a league full of heart. And, um, you know, it it was, it's, it's been a blast to kind of just watch the XFL unravel um, and, you know, the, I think the question now is, can football ever survive past the NFL? Because there's been so many, you know, failed attempts to try to bring some sort of football league, um, professional football league, I should say, past the NFL. Um, time will tell. Maybe one can catch fire and suddenly, you know, explode. Um, but the XFL kind of just ran into bad luck. And it is what it is. But either way, the show's been a blast to do. I feel very blessed to uh, be able to, you know, acquire some of these abilities towards hopefully my future endeavors. And um, I really appreciate everyone who consistently made the effort to watch us and watch us uh, grow um, in terms of not only our abilities, but as a channel and as a platform. It's been a blast. And uh, I personally want to thank everyone out there who has supported Micah and I through this whole journey. Yeah. Well, yeah. Same for me, man. Echo your echo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in my ears here. But uh, for me, yeah, it's just been super fun to just talk about you know football, and I think that's when it comes down to it. That's what we love to talk about. We love to talk about sports. We love to um, analyze it. And um, the way I see it is, if you can't play it, you might as well talk about it. So uh, that's just really the mantra of my life. And I, it's so fun to. Um, just analyze and see like a brand new league. Me and I think back to like well, January, early January, where, you know, the XFL we knew was coming out and we're like, Hey, like what if we're the one of the first people to get on this and start talking about it and, you know, having the excitement behind that whole thing and, and trying to learn team names and looking up on Google for different stuff. Like who the heck is each team starting quarterback? Who even the heck is PJ Walker? Who is this guy from Temple? You know, trying to figure out who's who, if they're going to be any good. And I think uh, it's it's been such a huge transition. It feels like these last four, four or five months have been like uh, an eternity with this whole thing. But uh, yeah. definitely um, it's been a fun ride and been able to, uh, you know, obviously work on our skills better. But, yeah. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast um, throughout this whole time. And please continue to uh you know stay safe out there and be away from all this craziness but uh this has been micah and jordan and thank you guys so much this is in with the new xfl podcast signing out